Guide me, O thou great Jehovah pilgrim. Uh, pilgrim through this barren land. That's what we just sang, and that's what we've been studying. We've been in the pilgrim walk. That's what we've been calling it, this walk of faith. And we are seeing it expressed in these various songs of ascent. Uh, this morning we're turning our attention to Psalm 130. I would invite you to turn there with me. Psalm 130, where we find words that, uh, well, initially seem like downers. Not exactly what might sound like a, a song of ascent going upward, and yet this is, this is where the psalm is leading us. In fact, out of the depths into, up to, joy that awaits those who trust him. Okay? Today, our plan is to read only the first half of this psalm, verses 1 through 4, and then we'll finish up next time, Lord willing. So uh, as we read today, listen, listen to this voice of the psalmist and, and be asking yourselves, as we've been apt to do, has this, what we're about to read, has this ever been my voice? My voice. Or we can put it this way. Is this my voice? Today. Even as I participate in a service of worship, even as I anticipate coming to this table, is this my voice? Is this my song? Hear the word of the Lord. A song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But... With you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. Let's pray together. Father, in your word, we find hope. And in this world of uncertainty, you give us a sure word. And so it is good to hear it. Lord, by your word and spirit and in sacrament today, we pray that you would lead us into truth into good news, into gospel that we can taste and see and celebrate together. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Speaking of pilgrimages, during uh, our most recent pilgrimage to Pittsburgh this past summer, uh, family went to a water park. And it had a, this isn't any normal water park, it was enormous, and it had this very large wave pool a very large wave pool. Probably hundreds of people could fit into it. Anyways, uh, there's this machine that gets the waves going, and uh, once the waves started getting pretty high, um, you'd notice that they were even higher out in the deep end. Most of the time I was somewhere in between. I was either hanging on to Megan or, and or watching the boys to make sure that they weren't in crisis, because uh, it, it did get scary. Um, Make extra sure that no one went under, even though there were plenty of lifeguards surrounding this huge, huge pool. And at one uh, point during the day, uh, Robin was watching the kids, I figured that I'd see just how tough those waves were, because I was a tough guy. And uh, how big were the waves out there? And, and here was part of the thinking. I could swim. I'm not a little kid. Big waves, big guy. Bring it on. So... I deliberately made my way out into the deep end. And I've got to tell you, I almost went under. I mean, I started to get tired. 
the waves were pounding on me. They were making me weary. And they kept coming. They're tossing me around, pulling me down. And if you've ever been there, there's a sense of urgency, really a sense of danger and desperation. Let me just put it back on you. Whether in a mechanical pool or the in the ocean deep itself. Have you ever been? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? Do you know what that's like? In God's word today, we hear a song that begins with a desperate cry. It's a cry for help. It's a cry that comes from the deep. The deep within. The depths of the soul. This is a soul that knows that unless help comes, all will be lost. And as the song unfolds, we're going to recognize that the danger and the depths from which deliverance is necessary, that weight, those waves that are coming at us and landing on us, that is the burden of sin. I'm going to ask a question here, which hopefully will guide us as we begin this psalm. Has sin ever tried to pull you under? Toss you around. And I'm going to ask you this. What was that like? No, pilgrim, what is that like? By the end of the psalm, I think you will hear and I think you will agree that whenever the weight or the waves of our sin pull us down, when that happens, we must rely on the Lord above. The Lord who saves. The Lord who saves those who are sinking in sin, those who are sorrowing in their own sin. This Lord who alone is able to rescue the soul that cries out from the depths. Are you trusting him today? Relying on him? Leaning on him. Specifically, I'm going to ask this as well. Are you sure that he has rescued you from the guilt of your sin? Moments ago, we heard what we call the assurance of pardon. How sure were you then? Could you leave here more sure? And if so, why? Does God's word address your assurance of pardon? We're going to look at pardon this week and next Trusting that your soul has been cleared by God of guilt. That's what pardon is. Cleared of guilt. Cleansed from sin itself by God. I'm going to suggest that it's very possible that there are maybe many in this room who have a nagging doubt. And maybe even a reason for a nagging doubt that pardon is sure. And you want to give in and despair and let the waves crash and come. Do you know what that's like? Well, beginning with verses 1 through 4, we want to look into these depths. We have spiritual pilgrims, right? Written to God's people. Here we are. We're walking by faith. Are we relying constantly on the Lord to pardon his pilgrims? If you were the, let's just ask the pilgrim. He's not here today. Well, at least not physically. Let's ask the pilgrim who wrote the psalm, Psalm 130, how this reliance lives itself out 
You know, he might answer, if we were to ask, he might say something like, well, first, by wrestling with your own fallenness, with your own sinfulness, first by wrestling with, and then, and then, don't miss this one, or you will despair, then by resting, resting in the Lord's forgiveness. Wrestling and resting, not wrestling or, really, pilgrim. These are our two points this morning. They're in your bulletins if you want to follow along. They're very basic. We are on our way to this table. I want to point that out. That will largely be our application today. You will enjoy rest together at this table. Starting with verse 1, though, we recognize why we must wrestle, because our depths are profound. They're profound. Look at me at verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Um, Some commentators like to point out that in the Latin, the situation described here uses the word de profundus. And to sound profound, we'll use words like de profundus because it means uh, depths. It's from the bottom. It's from the bottom of my heart. It's from the depth of my soul. The psalmist is crying out here to his Lord. Why? Well, he's desperate. We've been over that. He's drowning. He's going down. He is down. He needs rescue. And the picture here in the Hebrew language, it's very specific as well. It's it's very often caught up in um, a reference of the waters, the deep waters, uh, which was especially powerful as an image for the Hebrews because uh, while they weren't known for being uh, water people, they were land people. The waters were frightening, uh, not, not known for spending a lot of their time at sea. The deep waters were a picture of deep trouble, conflict, and they would conjure up these feelings of actual uh, alienation from God, that kind of desperation, drowning in sorrow, de profundis, Latin. Okay. The problem is deep, profound. It's not casual here. And, and as a reader, you might you know, already are saying, stop already, I'm persuaded, I get it. Um, the psalmist is extremely bummed, burdened okay, by something. Okay? Something. And this is where you cannot miss the point. Don't, you know, I know we all tune out at times. Don't tune out. Do not miss this. Even though I've already said I'm going to say it again and again. Don't miss the point. Don't get off track. Be very simple, very simplistic to say that these profound depths were at their heart a case of the blues. They're not. Not a case of the blues. What else might they be? A mood swing? Nope, not a mood swing either. Was he having a bad day? Anyone ever a bad day? Maybe a bad year. We're only a week in. Bad year. It's not even that. We could say, yeah, uh, when the bills come due for the holiday, for, okay, I've got anxieties, I have, uh, family tensions. Um, uh, another doctor report is supposed to be coming in a couple weeks. The sun's been out twice in the last month. Those are tough times, you could say. Those can bring a cloud into your heart and create the blues, arguably depression. That's not an issue here. Do you remember what the issue is? Set it up front. Don't miss this. The, the problem here is sin. This cry is the result of something deeper than depression, deeper than loneliness, deeper than anxiety, deeper than physical pain and brokenness and financial loss even. By, by the end of the psalm, that's going to become rather clear, but in the single word, I'll, I'll just say it's, it's sin, that's the problem, brokenness that comes as a result of this fallen condition. In other words, the depths are the depths of sin. Got it. Now, what are we going to do with that? 
if this is the pool in which the psalmist is flailing about, where do we go now? Notice that he can't save himself. That's not on the agenda. He can't help himself. He's going under. And unless rescue comes from above, you know what's going to happen? He will go under. And he knows it. All will be lost. So what do we hear? Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Have you ever been there? I already asked that, I know. Hold the thought and look with me at verse 2. Look with me at the wrestling of soul that we find there. Listen again, as the cry gets very specific, verse 2. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Mercy. Why, why would he need mercy? Why do you need mercy? Because we're sinful. Say, that, there's a good answer, theologically. We're sinful by nature, and we're fallen as a race. And I'll say this, that's true. Correct. Very true. But Pilgrim, <laughs> uh, we don't want to be too quick to take our faith and our sound doctrine. Uh, in this case, uh, what God has revealed about the fall, what, what Scripture reveals about our sin. We don't want to be too quick to take that and then do this. We, we will neatly bind it up in a book, literally. Uh, we will call it the Canons of Dort, even. And then we will place it on a shelf, literally. As though that is where theology is supposed to stay up there on the shelf. I'm going to ask, what good is that? Anybody have a theology book in your home? Okay, a couple of people. That's good. Do you know what's in there, and do you know how it applies to something like this, the fallen condition? We need to wrestle with the truths that are true. Not just content ourselves to say they're in my head or on my shelf. We need to wrestle with these truths, especially since sin is a reality. And it is a reality that wants to pull you under. It wants to drag you down daily. And as we see here, deeply. Our depths are profound. And they're also penitential. Profound and penitential as verse 2 is indicating here. Penitential, that's just a fancy word, I know, but uh, this psalm is considered one of the seven penitential psalms. So it's a good use for it here. So penitential, it makes uh, sense to use it in describing what's going on. What's that? Well, he's expressing sorrow for sin. That's what penitence is. If you are penitent, you are grieved over your own sin. Here the psalmist is calling out to God for mercy. Inquiring minds want to know, uh, what's his sin? He didn't tell us. If I were to say, what's your sin? Are you going to tell me? You could. Well, I'm not a priest. There's only one of those. And his name is Christ. So you don't need to tell me, but you need to tell him. And here the penitent one is grieved by guilt of sin. He knows exactly what he's done. And he knows how he has fallen short of the glory of the Lord. And as a result, he's Humbled, he's broken, he's remorseful, repentant, penitent. Uh, I don't want you to confuse penitent 
uh, by, by tossing out a fancy word, I don't want you to confuse that with penance. Penance, it's not the same thing. Uh, it's understood by some as something pretty much that we do, uh, or in some cases something we must do, in order to, well, make up for the wrong that we have done. Um, maybe penance will involve saying a special prayer or giving up something you really like. Uh, maybe, maybe even somehow beating yourself up physically so that the weight of your sin will no longer pull you down. And as good Protestants, you might even kind of chuckle a bit. No, <laughs> we don't believe in that. that. That's more of a Catholic idea. Uh, we're, we're protesters. We, we're against that stuff. And then we pat ourselves on the back and we relive some of the strange stories from church history where ascetics and monks would sit on top of poles and mangle their, their bodies and uh, effectively try to well, punish themselves or atone for their sins through something they're doing. Yeah, we don't do that. And yet may I submit that even Protestants have a version of penance. What do you mean? Well, we try vainly to impress God with our goodness. We will, we will show ourselves righteousness. We will follow a list of 18 do's and don'ts and make ourselves better. And God will be so pleased with us. That's trusting in self and in your own strength to be good. That's like saying, I will swim out of the depths by my own energies. My will. You can count on me. You know what? You can't swim out of the depths of sin. You can't. So don't try. You got that? Just don't even try. You can't do it. There. Give up, give in, reach out, reach up to the Savior. Cry out to the only one who's able to show you mercy. It's the Lord. He will rescue his own. That's the tune of this song. The tune of this song is not a downer. And it starts out in the depths. But the tune is not down. The tune is ascending as the pilgrim himself ascends to a time of worship in this series as we've been seeing. Upward he goes. And part of that ascent can be seen, really can be heard as the psalmist, I'm going to say he's wrestling with his fallenness. He's recognizing, begins to confess that he, he, doesn't, he doesn't merely have a problem, if you like this distinction. He doesn't merely have a problem. He is the problem. Americans don't like to hear that. Sinners don't like to hear that. We're the problem. Depths are profound. They are penitential. And this kind of confession will lead the penitent to the pardon that he so desires deep in his heart. And then the rest of the psalm is going to go on to rejoice in that rest, going to delight itself in the rescue that is coming. And we're going to camp out there very briefly in a moment and more next time. But before we want to move on, and certainly before we get to this table and celebrate this truth, I'm, I, we need to pause. Just about the whole sermon is this first point. We have to wrestle. We're not accustomed to wrestling. And we're wrestling here with fallenness, with the depths of our own sin. Do we do that? Um, 
Is that considered a downer in itself? Why cry out? Why do I need to confess? Why do we have then a time of worship anyway? Is it supposed to be uplifting? Confessions are downward. Why the depth of soul? Why this anguish of this inescapable sense of sin? Someone can say, you know, could it be that the psalmist is just taking this a little too seriously? My man, just, you know. After all, it's just sin. God's job is to forgive. That's the way some people look at it. And, and you've got to what do you mean just sin? Do you know what sin is? And then here, nice educated crowd. Yes, in fact, I can give you a catechism answer that will please you. Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. That is correct, Pilgrim. Good answer. You know your catechism well. Now, wrestle with it. Wrestle with it. Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. If you understand your catechesis, your instruction, then you're going to know something, and you're going to know it personally, you're going to know it experientially, and that is you're a sinner. That's just good theology, and you need to wrestle with it. What does that mean for you today? In other words, if, if you know that your nature is one of sin, if you know that sin is offensive to God, and if you know the consequence of sin, both in this life you see the destruction that sin brings, and certainly the wrath of God, the consequence of sin in his judgment, as he must punish sin and all lawbreakers, if you know that, then you do know, right, that it's not just a concept Sin is not just a theological construct. It is something concrete. It is. Something we do, it's something we feel, it's something we fall into, only not accidentally, it's willful. We want to do it. We sin every day. Every day of our pilgrim walk, we sin. And we say, we say things like, you know what, I'm going to go out in the deep end. After all, I know how to swim. It's just sin. I'm capable, and I'm curious. What would that be like out there? They're just waves. And then those waves pull you down. When was the last time you were painfully aware of your sin and your sinfulness. And, and you know, some of you will say, uh, about 25 minutes ago during that confession time. Um, in fact, uh, you didn't give me enough time to turn myself in and cling to the cross of Christ. I needed more time this morning. It's exactly what I need to do today. You know that not simply because of the idea of sin, but because you know the need that you have in your heart. Fill in the blank, whatever it may be. Maybe, maybe during the time of confession, one more time, one more time you went to the Lord saying, Lord, I, I have a problem with pornography. You say, I am, I am suffocating from the sin 
of lust. It draws me down often. And my pride is telling me, you know, I can, I can avoid those images. I can avoid the Internet. And yet last week, that's what you prayed at this time as well. And the week before that, you're getting pulled under. And you know it. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Profound depths, penitential depths. And I want you to compare the wrestling to just a brief illustration with a wrestling, a so-called wrestling that goes like this. And I, and I know this one pretty well. Hmm, sin, huh? Let's see. Um, nothing really comes to mind immediately. Um, so, Lord, allow me to generalize a bit. Um, Forgive me of all my sins. Implication, whatever they may be. The further implication being maybe even this strange conclusion that, hey, uh, I've been pretty good this past week. Lord, aren't you impressed? This time of silent confession, and I don't have anything. Now, we don't say it that way. Um, but that's sort of how we feel. And aside from the obvious self-righteousness that that exhibits, it shows as well the likelihood of this. Probably didn't wrestle with the question. Maybe you didn't want to, but you probably didn't. It's a deep reality. The waters are deep. You sinned this past week in thought, word, and deed, as the saying goes. You also sinned by what you did not do that the Lord requires of you. So if that's how you wrestle with sin, you might want to repent right now for being lazy and foolish about what sin is, because sin is seduction. It grabs hold of you. It requires a solution. Now, with that said... I think you all know the answer. And with that said, I think we all understand that there are times in all of our lives when the weight of sin, when the waves of sin even, are especially heavy and especially harmful, especially hurtful. So much so that a psalm like this is your song today. We get it. In other words, we know our weakness. We know our need, and so what do we do? We cry out from the depths. From the depths below to the Lord above, asking for mercy. And we do so confessing that apart from his mercy, apart from his rescue, we will go under. That's the truth. We will go under. That sounds like a downer, but that truth, not so coincidentally, is directly related to another truth. Well, the gospel truth. The reality is rightly understood as we wrestle with our sin. And once we do, we are free to enjoy, and I mean firsthand, the resting that follows. That's where we move next. Resting in the Lord's forgiveness of the sins. We're, we're practically done, but I'm going to tell you that we're going to develop this more next time. But I want you to look with me at this. It's stated 
so succinctly, powerfully, in verses 3 and 4. Listen to this again. This is following the cry. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. And, and you notice that verse 3 asks a question, and it's reminding us of our need for forgiveness. Uh, because if the Lord really did keep a record of sins, ponder that one. Uh, by the way, there's the word itself. If you're wondering, no, this is really about the blues. No, it's talking about sin. There it is. It's related to the depths of verse 1, which themselves are debts, these sins. These sins are left on the Lord's ledger sheet. Lord, if that were to happen, what? If, if my sins were kept on this running list in heaven, my offenses, everything I owe, well, Lord, who could stand? That's a good question. Who could stand in your holy presence? Who could stand in your judgments? Can you answer that one? Do you want to enjoy his presence? Yes. Will you? Do you want to avoid his judgments? Yes. Okay. Who could stand? Here's the, here's the implied answer. No one. So if you guessed correctly, good. Now what do we do with that? Even the nicest guy in the world wouldn't stand? No. Even the person, whoever this is and whatever this means, the person who tried the hardest? What about the person who had devotions every day? No, even that person would have had sins recorded, debts owed every day of his or her life. That is, if, if the Lord did keep a record of sins. So here's something you need to know. There's something you need to act on today, and especially if this is the first time you're hearing it. If it's the first time, this is what you Sins are recorded. Debts are punishable. Meaning this. Somebody had better pay for your sins, your offenses, because you're a lawbreaker. And so am I. Downer, huh? So, unless and until your record is cleared, your penalty has been paid, you will not stand, verse 3. You won't. You can't stand. Not before God. And this is where, okay, this is the finale. But, see that? Verse 4, but. Listen, but with you, there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. Wow. As if to say, if you believe this, if you trust that your Lord forgives, then you will fear him. You will reverence him. And you will do so in such a way that love and service and worship, gratitude, all of this is spilling out of you. Why? Because your reverence reveals something. Your reverence, this fear, this godly fear, reveals that you are standing yeah, standing in a right relationship with God. Okay? You want to live for him. He's made you clean. You do stand in his presence, holy, righteous, clean, free, free to rest. And I mean rest spiritually, rest eternally, and rest really, really, if you rely on the rescue from the Lord above. Today, we come to this table, and we're going to see, we're going to see what this psalm is celebrating. Why is that? Because this is a gospel truth, that with the Lord, there is forgiveness. If you forget everything else, 
by faith, this is something you need to cling to today, especially knowing that you're coming. With the Lord, there is forgiveness. Verse 4, forgiveness even for the soul sinking in sin, drowning in the depths. Verse 1, desperate for the Savior to show mercy. Verse 2, pilgrim, sinner, there is forgiveness because there's a Savior. And his name is Jesus. And he knows your depths. He hears your cries. And he came specifically to take your punishment, your punishment upon himself. Your debts at the cross so that you, here's the word, could be completely pardoned. You need to rely on that, rest in it, and know that next time you'll hear more about it, this good news. But this time, it is our joy. The joy that we have as pilgrims walking in the faith to come to this table and by faith to taste and see the salvation of our Lord. Let's pray together. Father, in this hour, we thank you for rescuing us from the depths of our own sin. Lord, you know how deeply we have gone, both emotionally and actually, because you see us, you see us struggling, you hear our wrestlings with sin daily. And yet, in your mercy, you do hear us, and you tell us again through your word and spirit that with you, there is forgiveness. And so the weight and the waves of sin do not have power to pull us under. And our song to you remains true, this song of hope, this song of ascents that we lift to you in the name of the Savior who calls us to come. Amen. So we approach the table. We're going to sing with the pilgrims who went before us this psalm found in number 275 in our blue Psalters. 275, let's stand as we sing. That'll be the